us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning, listeners on Step Right with Lynn. I'm Lynn Wedham, and I'm your host this morning. We're here today to help you manage your financial resources for the benefit of yourself, your family, and your community. I look forward to your questions and comments, um, ideas for show topics, or introduce me to someone that you know who is making a difference in the community, and they might be a good fit that we'd invite them to be a guest on the show. Uh, you can contact me anytime by email at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Our show today is called Lessons from a Financial Expert uh, Who's a Real-Life Survivor of Financial Fraud. And that real-life survivor is Samantha Piercy. Uh, pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes, identity fraud, cybercrime, embezzling, fraud, fraud uh, the headlines are very scary. We don't even always know what those terms mean, let alone how to protect ourselves. Uh, today, Samantha Piercy will share insights from personal experience and also survival tips uh, for people who have been victimized. Uh, Sam and I welcome you to join our online chat today. You can find the chat button on the A to Zen website. You can join us by telephone at 613-800-8736. Samantha is a certified financial planner by profession, but spends her time teaching, writing, and coaching both financial professionals and clients on the principles of sustainable income. She is the founder of Money Minding Foundation and Money Tree Ministries. She is an expert in applied financial literacy and behavioral finance and provides programs and services from a professional and biblical perspective. You can find out more about her and her new projects at www.samanthapiercy.com where you can also access her latest book, the Death by Money Report, for free. And again, that's www.SamanthaPiercy, S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A, Piercy, P-I-E-R-C-Y, dot com. Samantha joins us today from the west coast of Canada. Good morning, Samantha. Hello there, Lynn. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Excellent. It's, It's... Finally showing signs of spring here in Ontario. Uh, what's it been like there, Sam? Um, to be perfectly honest, it's going to be summer today. Ah. It, it started yesterday, and uh, I had a conversation with somebody on a show in Denver, and apparently they had snow, so I'm quite Ooh. grateful that, that yes. you know, we have our West Coast weather. Just a little bit of bragging rights, I guess. Yeah. Well, enjoy it. Uh, enjoy Thanks. it because it'll it'll rain there again. <laughs> it will, and yeah. it's okay. It's good for the garden. Yeah, it's great. So, Sam, uh, you've been a victim of financial fraud yourself. Here's the thing: I've actually worked with people um, in the area of 
fraud and financial loss for years and years and years. And there's, in, in fact, wrote content for a, the Securities Commission about 15 years ago on um, uh, investigating before you invest. And it was very, very, very interesting how these guys go in and set people up. I have heard stories of of con artists who will look for a single woman in a community where they have a the, that woman has a position of influence, and they will spend time uh, wooing her romantically in order to get uh, into her community, where they can then go and uh, lure people into some sort of an investment program. What happens in the case of fraud is people will um, intentionally earn your trust in order to access your money. So in my case, it was similar to the the woman. It's called affinity fraud. And affinity fraud happens uh, in it's rampant in churches it's rampant in associations um, or just in social circles where somebody will intentionally earn the trust of a position of influence in order to tap into their goodwill their resources um, in order to um, get um, what's the right word like exponential Mm-hmm. So the, through one person, they win the trust of many. And, of course, that's a, a very common thing to do in building your network in business. What happens, though, is um, when it's when somebody intentionally goes in to do that, the people that are affected, they have a relationship with the, the leader, Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily have anything to do with the the other guy or the you know I'm saying guy it could also be a female, mm-hmm. um, but but the, the the person who is actually perpetrating the situation. So where where we talk about fraud, you tend to think about something that's pretty blatant, and um, you get a phone call from somebody in. Um, I don't know Jamaica saying here send me some money. Mm-hmm. Those, those tend to be pretty obvious, but right. the the reality is that the less obvious ones are where one person has been um, affected, and then the relationship with those there's a, a once removed, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And, yeah. And, it, and it does. Oh, go ahead. It, it does affect um, not just the investment community, but like you said, you know, identity theft. Um, there's a lot of areas where people will intentionally go in to build trust with somebody in order to access information. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to they're looking for money because if you are stealing somebody's identity, somewhere going to have something to do with money. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's interesting in in the case of the affinity fraud that you were talking about too. It's very damaging for that organization as well. Well, in many cases, in, in corporate affinity fraud, which is what I experienced, mo- the the con the fraudster 
will do their thing, make off with their money, and then they just leave the company and to flop mm-hmm. about and fail. Wow. And in most cases, the companies do fail. Right. And, um, now, um, now, I understand you've just begun to tell your story um, and making well, a point to tell your stories. Why are you starting to share this now? Well, I, I actually did start fairly soon after. I, write, I wrote a series on um, identifying potentially misleading financial advice. Um, okay. And then I, I started it in the Death by Money report. And um, in terms of actually speaking about it, that would be new and in, in mm-hmm. having an opportunity for people to ask questions. But I have been writing about it almost right from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. It was quite fascinating how it it came together. And when I started to look at it, um, it was so much more than the academic. Um, it, you know, we tend to, to look at some of the advice that we get academically about uh, what to look for and looking for red flags. And, mm-hmm. and yet I think that the red flags are much more emotional than they are um, academic. Okay. And so uh, yeah, I do definitely talk about that in the Death by Money report. And mm-hmm. I, um, um, and, and I think it's important that people can ask questions because where do you go? When you're not, sh- when you have questions and you're not really sure, who do you talk to? Your family is going to be concerned and they're going to likely say no. But the thing is, it doesn't necessarily, um, just because you have a question doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be bad. I think that's the problem. And you want to be careful that you don't freak people too much so that they aren't even able to make a decision because they're they're afraid that they're going to be um, taken advantage of. Right? I mean, you right. know, yeah. in your profession, you have to build trust. Absolutely. So, yeah, so it's important that people are aware of how rampant it is and how it can happen, but that a lot of the red flags are much more emotional. Right. As, a, as opposed to the academic ones, which are, you know, it's a, it's a sure thing and it's offshore and there's um, tax advantages and loopholes. And, you know, those kinds of things tend to be almost too obvious. Um, right. And and I did have that kind of stuff that came up in our situation. And, so, you know, I've shared with people, I wasn't born yesterday. I knew that there was issues. But who do you talk to and what do you do and uh, where do you go? And, and so I, part of me sharing now is hoping to give people an opportunity where they can ask questions. And so then they can go and get more questions and they can kind of figure out what to do and how to get out of things or or, right, right. Um, Especially right? if they're if they're in a situation and they're just not sure things are right. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is important to to maybe have a little bit of support, as you say, um, to um, you know to look a little bit further. Um, so, what are the kinds of, when we talk about about financial fraud? What are you know what are all the things that we could be talking about here? Um, well, there's probably more than we even know about. I mean, there, there's definitely 
email issues and uh, telephone issues. Mm-hmm. I worked with um, a couple. It was a very sad situation not long ago, and and it was just your pretty common phone stuff where they had been solicited by telephone to, um, I don't even know what the promise was, but I do know that over the course of a couple of months, they managed to max out their credit cards and send somebody in Jamaica $85,000. Oh, my. It was awful, awful. And, you know, there's... There's really virtually nothing that can be done. And you go, well, how and why? And the reality is really the same thing, is that somebody has earned your trust. And Mm -hmm. we have to trust people. So then we have to kind of dig a little bit deeper, and we've got to understand what's important to us and what is the motivation behind why we want to do the thing that this person is asking us to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, um, that. And, and I guess so, sometimes it could be a, a get-rich-quick kind of idea, or mm-hmm. sometimes it's helping someone, right? Sometimes the motives are are um, are good motives. Sure, absolutely, right? And um, so, you know, the thing that people can do uh, is to protect themselves going into things is to be really, really clear on what's important to them and why, and and then what are their exit strategies? You know, what are the consequences? What are their exit strategies? And, and some of those things definitely are academic, but when they're written down ahead of time, that becomes very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And especially when it get, can be shared with the person that they're doing business with. Okay. Yeah. In a in a very specific. Um, well, I mean that does become academic, but then you take a concept that can be very emotional and you can articulate it and put it in writing, so that it will help. Uh, to neutralize some of the emotions and turn it into a bit more of an academic exercise. Right, right. You know, that's ahead of a situation, so then I'm sure we probably want to look at what happens when you you suspect that you might be into a situation, you don't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, yes. A lot of material that we want to cover this morning for sure. Uh, It's time to go for a break now, Sam, and we will uh, get back to this fascinating topic after the break. a contribution that you dream of making. In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at a to zen.fm. 
You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. We're back. Uh, this is Step Right with Lynn. Uh, the show today is called Protecting Yourself from Financial Fraud, and it's lessons from a financial expert who's a real-life survivor. Uh, Samantha Piercy is our guest. Um, so when we hear these you know, terms, fraud and crime, we get the idea that maybe the victim should have known that the offering wasn't legitimate or... Um, you know, it hasn't happened to me, so, you know, I may feel that, I, well, I'm, I just couldn't be a victim because I'm too smart or I'm too intuitive. I'd see through what was going on. And it's obviously not always the case. Um, can you comment on that from your experience, Sam? Well, yeah, it's interesting because a lot of time people have been victimized, but they just won't admit it. Um, I mean, for sure, and the reason that they don't is because they're afraid of being judged. And, you know, nobody immediately thinks fraud. And, in fact, I those words weren't uttered until about four months after the deal had stopped. And I just put my – I just refused to go forward with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you don't know that at the time, you know that there's things that aren't making sense for sure, um, but just because you, you, things aren't adding up doesn't necessarily mean that you, that you will immediately think that oh this is a scam. Right. So it took four months after the process was stopped before the words illegal were uttered, and it took another um, eight months after that before uh, the proof of it being premeditated was uncovered. So it's not something that you, um, it's not always going to be obvious. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly not where you're going to go in your head right away. And then people can look back. And looking back even, you know, I've talked to many, many, many lawyers and they'd say, well, what would you have done differently? And the the reality is probably, probably nothing because there is always an element of it that is legit. And that is straightforward. Okay. And once you're there, it's not that you're hoping that it's right. It's that you're actually doing something that is right and that is good. Mm-hmm. But then it operates on a gray area that's not quite sure. You know, there's there's missing paperwork, but you don't necessarily know that there's missing paperwork. Wow. You know, when when and so the you know the question I think that we have to look at from people look at for people listening is, what do you do? Because it is going to happen. And one of the things that I would like to share is that if you suspect that something is happening, to not hide it. And if you're not really sure, to go to somebody, even though they might poo-poo it and they might judge you, it's way better to have support and to start asking. um, And then if you know somebody that has been victimized, to don't blame them. Because right. I would say yeah. it can happen to you for sure. I mean, the worst thing that you can do is to have somebody, is to judge. I mean, we look at that like that elderly couple and go, oh, my goodness, how on earth could that have ever happened? But the reality is that it did. And you can't immediately say, well, they were naive or that they mm-hmm. should have known or that we would have known because we weren't there. 
We don't know what was said. We don't know how it was said. We don't know whether they were lured because of some kind of quick fix. We don't know whether they were threatened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those kinds of things happen too. I mean, people, they will do things out of fear. Yeah. And and again, in, in their emotion, whatever the emotion was, whether it was fear or or the desire to help or... Or mm-hmm. that you know it's a it's a um, a get rich quick what, whatever that emotion is, yeah. just talking about the situation with someone else can put a different light on it, so mm-hmm. that becomes more of a of a head decision rather than a heart decision. Yes, yeah, yeah. and you know the thing is, it it, it quite possibly will be if you get into a situation and it's not making sense and you don't know how to get out you know mm-hmm. the thing is it it could be catastrophic mhm mm-hmm. um and the reality is if it's going to be catastrophic it's almost better to get it sooner rather than later i guess right yeah um, yeah and and that that is um I don't I mean it's gut wrenching. Any way you look at it, right, right. But we we but have. Then, we, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, well, finish that thought. We've we've got a question from a caller that we'll go to, but um, certainly finish that thought. Well, I mean, it, the if you've lost money, then the tendency to think is the tendency is to go there where that's it. You know, life is over. And certainly you do lose dreams, you lose hope, you lose money. But there's a lot of people that haven't actually lost money in some sort of a catastrophic or fraudulent event. And and they still are able to pick up their, and, and carry on. And mm-hmm. so recognizing that it's not the end of the world as well. You know, that, yeah, there's judgment, there's pain, there's trauma. I mean, it is like a death. But we can support people through um, a loss, just like Mm -hmm. we can support them through the loss of a loved one or through um, a serious illness. And we don't have systems in our society to do that because we do tend to judge um, people about their financial decisions and we tend to... um, uh, on the the other side, we don't say anything, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of things that can happen after the fact. You know, because people we, they get into something, they don't know what to do, they carry on, and and then they just dig their head in the sand, and yet they spend the rest of their life just in regret, and it's it's very sad. You want to ask, and, ask the question, and we'll, um, we'll go ahead. Yeah, well, just on that on that thought before we go to the to the question is. Um, you know, polite conversation, we don't talk about money either, right? Which, yes. which also, um, you know, so, so many of us have been taught that it's not polite to talk about money, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not a conversation that, that we would get into um, regularly as far as, you know, what what are you investing? So I think, you know, how are you investing or, or what has happened? So I think that all makes it that much more difficult too. I think if we were more open about speaking about what we're doing, that could be helpful too. Absolutely. You know, people do need to know um, 
you know, I, I think back to some of the people that did come on board um, right immediately afterwards. And mm-hmm. it, it was kind of like the posse, you know, coming galloping in on the horse. You know, it's like, okay, here, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and, you know, somebody else came in and said, okay, we're going out for dinner. And, you know, like to, they they came on board and they helped um, mm-hmm. in that in, immediate aftermath, of, in the shock of it all. And I think that's extremely important to be able to share so that you can get support that way. And then mm-hmm. for... Um, you know, if if it's happened to somebody that you know, to to just do what you would do if somebody close to you had been injured or sick or you know some other kind of life event, and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't go away overnight though. It is, you know, it's a very dramatic situation, and so support people sure. through that. Don't judge them and criticize them. Do you want to answer yeah. the, or ask the question? Yes, yes. From our chat room, uh, a caller has um, has said, uh, when I get phone calls from charities, I always wonder if they're legitimate, legitimate. And how can you tell if a call is legitimate or not? Um, well, there's a couple. There's certainly you can go and do your own due diligence and just go and, and check online or phone back. Um, but typically, a charity isn't going to be soliciting for thousands of dollars. And, um, you know, when we're talking about fraud, I mean, lots of people have been defrauded, you know, 100 bucks or so, and even a couple thousand dollars. The larger, more significant ones, of course, are tens of thousands of dollars where it becomes uh, something that impacts your life. And um, nobody wants to get burned for 100 bucks or 20 bucks or a few hundred bucks. Right. But do your own due diligence and recognize when it becomes life-altering versus <clears throat> bummer. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the other part of it, I think, comes along the part of, you know, planning your giving so that mm-hmm. you're not, you know, on the spur of the moment making a decision. Well, I mean, if it's a $20, you're right. If it's a $20 donation, you know, you might make a $20 donation on the spur of the moment. But... um on the whole, if you're planning your giving, then you've mm-hmm. thought it through as to who, what organizations you want to support and what causes. Right now, that, that does bring up an interesting point, though, because sometimes people will give out of guilt. And oh. so somebody will phone, they'll ask money, and so then they feel guilty. And so if you can understand your emotion at that wow, point, yeah. uh, then... Um, there's a really great quote um, by a success teacher that says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so if on a $20 request or a $100 request, you're doing it out of guilt, mm. um, not because you've done your due diligence and it fits in with your, your overall values and your, your planned giving, like you said, th- then it's important for you to understand that you have an affinity to that emotion because mm-hmm. somebody might guilt you into something later on. Wow. And so pre-planning yes. is, is important. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, what about the idea, um, you know, some people think that there's a secret to getting rich and, you know, if they just knew the secret that, you know, that, that they'd have uh you know the easy life do you think that has any bearing on on the discussion of fraud um 
Oh, for sure, absolutely. You know, I would say that our whole um, philosophy of personal finance right now, which is to accumulate a bunch of money so that you can eventually live off of it in retirement, I think that sets people up to go chasing after a quick fix and that it makes it easier for people to come along and say they've got some sort of a loophole and instead of getting, I don't know, 10%, you can get 20%. And they run through a bunch of charts and graphs and scenarios and technical um, illustrations to show how that works. And I think there is a lot of people that will, will buy into that because they don't have a base of financial knowledge and because they are looking for... Um, how to accumulate a, a bigger pot of gold. And uh, we we are pre-programmed to go looking for higher returns that way. And I don't think you, you necessarily have to think that it's chasing after the quick fix. You know, it, it could be, um, or lottery thinking, but that really is what it is. That is what it is. And and it, it's people that that make a good income. They're they're financially doing well. It's we have pre-programmed people to go looking to accumulate a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and that does mean that they are more susceptible to messages about high returns. Sure. It, and it right. And we we tend to right now we're talking about fraud, but it can just be inappropriate investment based on somebody's overall situation. I know um, people who have invested in fabulous um, programs and in various investment type things, but the um, but they what they've done is they've it would be appropriate for somebody else, but they've put too much money in it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and for their situation. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think I think that happens as well. Um, It's time for us to go to another break, Samantha, and uh, we'll talk again in just a few minutes. Got it. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our show today on the subject of uh, protecting yourself from financial fraud. Sam, we may have some listeners who work with a financial advisor for years, and we may have some listeners who have never worked with a financial advisor. We wouldn't want to scare our listeners from taking advice that's really valuable to their future, but how can we balance some of this healthy skepticism along with the trusting 
that really is a necessary part of that good advisor and client relationship? Amazing question because, of course, I have my professional credentials as well, and that is one of those things that we do not want to think that people have to go out and do it on their own because they can't trust anybody and um, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's like in a lot of media, you hear the negative before uh, you hear the positive. So what right. do people do? Um, when I did this work early on for the Securities Commission, that know yourself, and that can, t- that can tend to sound empty, but when you really understand your motivation, your values, what's important to you and why, and all that stuff can be written and articulated to the person that you're working with and they actually understand that, mm-hmm. right there is a, a, they understand it, they can feed it back to you and you can tell that they are acknowledging your values and what's important to you. So mm-hmm. right there is the first thing you can do because nobody is going to understand your motivation as well as you are. And, of course, you want to have a partnership financially with your professional who has the technical expertise to help you get uh, realize what it is you need to get done. The, the other part of that then, of course, would be to know the advisor. And what are their values? What is their... Um, situation, what are their goals and their dreams, and we don't tend to think of that in financial planning circles, sharing our our own goals and dreams with clients, and um, and um, we tend to make it about money, and mm-hmm. so if you can understand and know your advisor's situation and connect on a values basis, yeah. That, again, is something that people can do to protect themselves. If you are working with somebody who has obviously got very different values, but like life values, than your own, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, they might have a lot of technical expertise, but maybe you don't connect on a, on a bigger level. I mean, if, if you've got a, a client who's very passionate about uh, looking after humanity, and you've right. got an advisor that is really more about glitz and glamour and fast cars, there's a discrepancy in values there. And that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means that it's different. And so to have a connection on a values basis is important and to have that open communication that can be written. And then the third thing, of course, is to, to know your investment and and again these are emotional things because the financial professional is always going to have more technical expertise and you need to tap into that just like we need our accountants and our lawyers and our our doctors who have a a higher level of expertise in order to provide the um you know that that we have to be able to tap into their expertise and mm-hmm. not expect that we can do it on our own and and yet um so they have technical you have technical expertise on finances that your clients don't have but you have to be able to connect with your clients then on the emotional level as well and so yeah. what can a client do is to do those first things those understanding themselves, understanding their advisor, and then their investment. 
And part of understanding the investment is writing it down so that it can be communicated with the advisor and then understanding not just what it's going to do for them and why and when, but what is the exit strategy? What are What is the backup plan? Mm-hmm. When are they going to get out? How and when and under what circumstances? And the, the, we tend to think that all this gets done in this official paperwork, but a lot of this communication can get done on an 8.5 by 11 pad of paper and a pen and just right, writing right. things down. And Ex- expectations making... and really what do you want from your money or your mm-hmm. investment that you're making or... Um, right, and yeah, as, those... a, as a yeah, as a client, you, you can take notes and write things down, and then sit across the desk with your financial professional and get things clarified, get your questions clarified. And mm-hmm. in one of the things that I realized is that I would ask questions, and those questions would always be answered by telephone they would not be answered in um in written format. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's I think it's extremely important that if you ask a question in writing that you get it back in some sort of a writing. I see, Particularly yeah. if you start to have fears and doubts. Yeah. It, and you know that doesn't have to be official communication. You know e- email is 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 nice um and writing is always good because you can sit and you can look at somebody's, uh, you know, look into the whites of somebody's eyes. Right. But it, it helps clarify communication, and um, yeah, it just it's not a, not only that, but that that reluctance to uh, send something back in writing could be one of the um, one of the keys that something's not right as well. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, it was fascinating to me how the, the when I looked back on it, um, how all my you could see all my questions, uh-huh. but, um, and I know I got answers because you could see the next set of questions, but they right. never came back in writing. Yeah, mm. so that's a good way to strengthen a relationship, but it's also good clear communication, and it's it's a good way to. Um, uh, you know, protect yourself, I guess. Yes, yes. I I really like your um, I really like your know yourself, uh, know your advisor, and know your investments, and that that sharing of values. I think it it is key that you would uh, work much more easily with someone who did share similar values to yourself. Yeah, and th- th- make sure that they're in that order, because okay. we tend to make it about the money. So right. we go to the no understanding the investment first, and then we work down into the values and the personal side of things, and it's got to be the other way around. Mm. It, it starts, you know, what people always want to know what they can do. What they can do is understand and reinforce what is absolutely essential and critical to them in terms of their their values and and their goals and their priorities and you know what's really important in your life. That part mm-hmm. everybody can um, be in control of. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful key. Um, and, and, sorry, go ahead, Sam. Oh no, and well, and and be able to share that too, yes. right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and and I think a good advisor is going to help bring that out as well, right? 
Yeah, I, I think so. You know, asking, does... asking a lot of questions is a good sign from an advisor, I think. Mm. Absolutely, um, for sure. And because the other thing that happens is we do tend to, um, you know, coming back to what we talked about earlier with the rate of return, we mm-hmm. we we do end up with a lot of um, discussion which focuses on the money because that's what people don't understand. And it's I mean they come to see a finance professional because they've got some aspect of their money that needs to be dealt with, and um, that. Um, so the conversations can start off with, so what's your return on this? Or what can mm-hmm. I expect on this? And then immediately you get into the whole financial discussion. Right. And and then you've got to go back. And it, it should be more goal-focused and values-focused. Yeah. So a good piece of advice would to to a person would be to choose an advisor that would be a referral from a friend that's been working with that person. But is there more that we can do... Um, in in choosing um, a a planner um well yeah again the values i mean start there for sure who do you know mm-hmm. um and it's always nice to be introduced and to to have some sort of connection but you know my experience is, is what we talked about at the very beginning here it's called affinity fraud and so that can be just as damaging if you take that Mm, um, right. I would say you, you don't let down your guard just because it's a referral, and right. uh, you know. And also, you could still have different values, and you can have different financial situations. I know a lot of people who will take the referral or the advice of somebody who is very wealthy, and um, and that's great. However, if they're not in that same financial position then now they're trying to do something and, and copy somebody who is at a different economic level. And then even though it's an appropriate investment for the wealthy person whose advice they were mirroring and copying and respecting, it's not appropriate for them at their level of income and their financial position. And right. so, again, it's the same situation. You you need to go in to the relationship with what's important to you and why, and don't assume that just because it was good for your neighbor or your friend that it's going to be appropriate for you as well. Yes, I agree agree with you so much on that. And not just from your financial situation, but also personality-wise. You know, Mm -hmm. no no two households are the same um, financially, but neither do they have the same personalities within them. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be able to connect with somebody and communicate properly and um, know that it's okay to ask questions and you're not going to feel stupid, uh, you're not going to feel judged, uh, that you're going to um, be able to feel confident and competent making decisions because ultimately it's your life. The, The financial advisor is is going to have the technical expertise, but they have their own life and their own kids and grandkids, et, et cetera, that, that they're mm-hmm. dealing with. And even your friends, right? They hopefully will be there if something goes wrong. But you in your household have to take responsibility for your financial decisions, which doesn't mean you have to do it all yourself. It just means that... Um, nobody's going to be there at the end of the day to put food on the table except for you. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. So take yeah. take ownership of that. 
Yep. The time is flying by. It's time for a break again, um, and uh, and we'll be right back after the break. Thank you. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Lynn Wadham on Step Right with Lynn. Our guest is Samantha Piercy. And our topic is protecting yourself from financial fraud. Sam, what were some of the other behaviors of the advisor um, that, from your experience, that you know now were clues that something was wrong in in this person's intentions? Um, well, I've got a whole list of them, so why don't we just start at the top? Okay. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things is the background of the advisor, and it's interesting because. You can, in today's information age, you can go and find out lots of information about people. Um, but what is the story they told you about that? Because um, looking back on it, there was a story. People go, well, how did you not know? And it's like, well, I did know. But when the story is presented, you're now seeing things through a different set of lenses. So understand that. And, and again, I'm a really huge, big advocate of writing things down. So write down the story, not just what the results are. And then are there any um, kind of oddities that don't really connect to the story and how what they're saying or what, the, what, they're, um, what they're, how they're living? Um, and, um, you know, specifically if they are presenting themselves as being um, somebody that's done a whole bunch of things but uh, or is very successful, but they don't live that way or mm. you know, to, to be even really physical, you know, they're presenting themselves to be really um, successful, but their shoes aren't shined. Hmm. So that, that's a real specific thing, but just pay attention to oddities. So, you know, right. I... Yeah, just there's lot there there will be things, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Just note, note mm-hmm. to self, you know, it, check things out. I mean, some people don't it care as much about the way they dress as they do about doing the, a good job. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but you you just want to make sure that things are congruent. 
is the is the advisor overly generous or hardworking and going way above and beyond what it is that they're supposed to be doing? That doesn't necessarily mean that's bad. That is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, if it kind of steps outside of the the realm of hmm, that's kind of um, it's almost too much. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, pay attention to that. Okay. Um, and okay. Um, and then, do do you struggle to understand and interpret information? And that that's pretty obvious. You really want to to know for sure that you understand. But again, this is where the communication. If they uh, respond to your queries with something else that that is also fairly technical, then keep it in writing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, are there delays in getting answers or results um, that, you know, if they've promised something or an, you're anticipating something and it's taking longer, it's taking longer, it's taking longer, it's taking longer, it's taking longer? You know, that mm-hmm. can be a clue, particularly if it's taking longer and they're asking for more money or asking you to invest more money. So what are the contingency plan? That doesn't necessarily mean that it, it is bad. But pay attention to that. Yeah. Does yeah. the advisor blame or criticize other people? Is it always somebody else's fault? And and again, that's a representation of values and not taking responsibility. Has mm-hmm. the access and response time to your advisor changed? So over time, if things aren't turning out the way you had expected them to, and initially the advisor was was in there like a, a dirty shirt, you know, doing everything, mm-hmm. sleeve rolled up, and now all of a sudden they're hard to reach. Oh yeah, and they're conver- yeah. right, and and then the conversation has changed, and they're short, and they're maybe a little bit more abrupt, or have they now kind of deferred the their responsibility to somebody else? And maybe mm-hmm. an assistant, or they've they've kind of passed you on a little bit. Right? Um, have they told you things that they don't want you to share with others, or that they're not prepared to put in writing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all all these things make you question the motivation. Right, and and so you add them all up, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And and then are they? You know, always kind of attempting to blame somebody else. And, you know, ultimately, I know it might sound kind of cliche, but you at some point have to just trust your gut. And this is why having things in writing is so important because on their own, any one of them can be justified and make sense. Mm-hmm. But when you start to add them together, and particularly when there starts to be um, significant financial consequences to you, then that's when you need to have enough confidence to go outside of your fears and start asking for help to sort things through. Right, right. And and prepared to, to bail if necessary because the sooner you bail, then the sooner... You can you're move you're on. sort of mitigating losses or, um, you know, there's more potential for getting 
something back out of it, I guess, depending on how severe a situation you're in. Yeah, or or maybe um, protect other people. You know, there could right. be that too. You know, it, it's so hard to say every situation is going to be different. Um, it's to be aware that it is going to happen and to, to really connect to the emotion behind it and have things in writing no matter how unrelated or um, seemingly insignificant they might seem. You have to be enough, confident enough to ask questions and to make sure that you get it in writing, even if it's not official writing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and get help. Ask for help from yeah. outside sources. Um, I, I think that we've, you know, when, when we looked at the material for this, for this show, I was already almost thinking that it was a a two a two program <laughs> a two program topic. Um, it's been wonderful talking with you, Samantha. I can't believe the hour is um, is passing on us here. So thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. And the, the the introduction and some of this stuff is talked about in that Death by Money report. So right. if somebody right. wants to do that, then for sure it's available at um, my website for free. Yep. Uh, and that was www.samanthapiercy.com, I believe. Yep. yep. Okay. That's, Perfect. that's terrific. Thanks so much. Um, at this time, I'd like to remind you to tune in next week when our guest will be Harvey Wood. Uh, Harvey Wood is a mortgage broker with Mortgage Intelligence, and our topic will be, should I lend money to my children for a down payment on a home? And we'll discuss, uh, if you decide that you are, some of the ways that can make that uh, a successful thing to do. Um, remember, we welcome your comments at Step Right with Lynn. And uh, you can send me an email at lynn at stepright.ca. Uh, this is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. And until next time, uh, we want to see you taking the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Uh, remember, that's lynn at stepright.ca, L-Y-N-N, at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time. Thank you.